Hello, I'm Art Fuller, PhD, and welcome to another episode of The 5-Minute Expert, where today we're going to make you an expert on Christmas traditions. Ever wonder why we put wreaths on the front door? Didn't those used to signify a death in the family? And what about Rudolph? How did a reindeer come to symbolize the spirit of Christmas? We'll answer these questions and others as we seek to enhance your knowledge on this subject. However, first, we'd be remiss if we didn't give this week's sponsor a chance to publicize their wares. Dead Fish and House Guests is a service that helps you get rid of unwanted guests. Relatives staying a little too long over the holidays? You can't seem to give them a strong enough hint that it's time to pack it in and go back home? Contact Dead Fish and House Guests. We'll notify them directly that they need to move on. We play the fall guy so you don't have to. We operate under the principle that guests, just like dead fish, tend to start stinking after three days. But hey, it's the holidays. Who wants to play the heavy and tell people to leave? Not you. And now you don't have to. That's dead fish and house guests. We help get life back to normal. Well, back to those door wreaths. Yes, wreaths have been used to signify that a death has occurred in the household of the unfortunates that display this decor. The wreath was meant to symbolize the triumph over death of a believer in Christ. It represented eternal life. To many, the wreath represented the thorns worn by Christ on the cross and the tiny red berries, his blood. However, in more modern times, the wreath is connected to the Christmas tree. The custom of bringing evergreens home during the winter began in the 16th century among Northern and Eastern Europeans, with Germans commonly credited with starting the Christmas tree tradition. During this time, pruning the tree was a part of the preparation process. Limbs were often cut off in an attempt to make the tree more uniform in shape or to fit it into a room. Well, instead of throwing the pieces of greenery away, the Europeans wove the excess into wreaths. In that time, nothing was wasted or thrown out. Evergreen trees were a species looked upon with awe and admiration, since they, unlike most living things, survived the harshness of winter. Together, the circular shape and the evergreen material made the wreath a representation of eternal life. The tradition of the Advent wreath, along with many other Christmas traditions from Northern and Eastern Europe, was adopted by the masses beginning in the 19th century. The marriage of Victoria, Queen of the United Kingdom, to Prince Albert from Germany opened the door for Christmas traditions of other regions in Europe to become popular in England. In turn, British culture influenced American culture. Now, I bet you're wondering where the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came from. Well, Robert L. May was a 34-year-old Chicago copywriter who had grown up, according to his own words, as a shy, small boy who had known what it was like to be an underdog. He was very fond of the story of the ugly duckling, the duck who was shunned by other ducks until he becomes a beautiful swan. 
May was asked in early 1939 by mail-order catalog giant Montgomery Wards to create a character for its annual color Christmas catalog that would help sell toys. The character and story he came up with involved a reindeer with an abnormally large, shiny red nose who gets teased by the other black-nosed reindeer. But on a foggy Christmas Eve, Santa realizes Rudolph's glowing snout is the beacon he needs so that he can deliver presents to children on time. Sound a little like the ugly duckling, only adapted for reindeer fans? Well, May was a frustrated writer who had hoped to write the great American novel. He was heavily in debt when he got the assignment and admitted he was not feeling very festive. His wife was very ill, and he said he was glad when holiday street decorations from Christmas 1938 were taken down. May decided the story should be about reindeer because their images had been everywhere the past season. He knew that Santa's eight reindeer already had names, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen, thanks to the 1820s poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. He brainstormed a list of names that began with the letter R for alliterative purposes, such as Rollo, Rodney, Roland, Roderick, and Reggie. In a 1963 interview, May said he thought Rollo sounded too happy for a reindeer with an unhappy problem, and Reginald sounded too sophisticated. But Rudolph rolled off the tongue nicely. As for the idea of a glowing nose suitable for navigating, that light bulb moment came from looking out his office window in the middle of one of Chicago's infamous winter days and seeing the fog from Lake Michigan and thinking of Santa trying to do his work on such a night. This idea almost got shelved, May would later note, after a focus group said they thought a red nose had connotations of alcoholism. Well, May's wife passed away in July 1939, and his boss offered to pass the assignment off to someone else. But May kept on writing. The story was completed and printed by Wards as a soft-covered booklet with 2.4 million copies being distributed for free that Christmas. Next year, a small publishing house offered to print a hardcover version, and it became a bestseller. All well and good, But Rudolph's story didn't become world famous until May's brother-in-law, Johnny Marks, wrote a song about the reindeer and singing cowboy movie star Gene Autry sang it in 1949. It topped the charts and made May a bunch of money since Wards had let him have the copyright to the story in 1947. By 1985, the song had sold 150 million records and 8 million copies of sheet music worldwide. So kids, let that be a lesson to you. If you're deep and dead and discouraged, write a Christmas story or a song and pray it becomes number one. Your parents will be glad you did. Larry, what do you have from the peanut gallery today? Nick Claus, no address given, emailed us to say, quote, I'm tired of all the commercialism surrounding Christmas. All these lame toys every year that don't last two days until they're broken. Kids just need to get outside and play with sticks or cardboard boxes 
or some other such natural product. Forget these newfangled trinkets. They'd be much happier if they did. Unquote. Well, Nick, thanks for writing us, and I tend to agree somewhat with your sentiment, but that ship has sailed. That genie is out of the bottle. I'm afraid newfangled toys and gadgets are here to stay. Larry, what was your favorite Christmas toy growing up? A mechanical, self-peeling banana. Okay. Sounds like hours and hours of entertainment value there. Anyway, folks, tell one person about the podcast today. You'll be glad you did. <laughs>